The AOP is brought to you today by GG Poker, the world's leading online poker room. What makes them the leading player? Well, they have more players than any other site. In fact, GG Poker holds the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament since September 2020. They put fun at the heart of it in every game and have unique features that you can't find on any other site. They offer games for all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro with popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. So what's in it for you? New players that make a £10 deposit get £60 in free play. That is a £10 deposit to get £60 in free play. So go visit ggpoker.co.uk. New UK players only. Minimum deposit £10. Full T&Cs apply. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Send this, and then we'll go for it. You ready to roll? Oh, yeah. Cool. Right. So, that one's done. Uh, right. Well, we know how we get our podcast started, don't we? So, mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good afternoon and welcome to the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Um, you will know just from the fact that I'm talking, we are omitting a very important player of the team, the Arsenal Opinion team. Pete Pedro is at the game. He was at the game and uh, we were texting throughout the game and he certainly felt what was a a bit of a, it felt like a landmark game anyway. He felt it viscerally. Uh, in terms of his um, response to what we've just seen. But I am joined by none other than man like Matt Candela. How you doing, Matt? Oh, pretty good. Um, difficult. A lot of emotions swirling around after that. Was up early to go and watch the game and still processing it. A lot of it, trying to, trying to think about it rationally as much as every part of my brain wants to think emotionally about what we've seen. So, so much to get into. Uh, so many talking points and um, hopefully we can uh, unpack a few things and, and figure out how we're feeling. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you know what? Look, we we've got a we've got so much to get through. So I think it only right that we obviously start with the hottest of takes, Matt. Um, a game that really put us through the emotional ringer. I felt every emotion during those ninety plus minutes. Um, can you just try and unpack and explain how you well the feelings you've left with in 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 your hottest of takes? from that game and where you think it leaves us? So just going at a very, like, uh, at the biggest possible level, I think you have to be really, really positive. Like, we have to be. And um, it it feels, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to over-reg it, but it feels like we're, 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 we're getting back to having an identity. We're getting back to having a team that we can all believe in. Uh, the football that we played at times today was certainly top four football and looked like we could give anyone a run for their money uh, at the moment. And it was just just, just so great to see. But that's set against the backdrop of now sitting here with zero points from the game and you're like, it, 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 it's, it's really, really painful. Um, so I'm just trying to sort of manage those, those two things really. But I think we have to, the dust will settle. We're going to get into all the points, but one to eleven, we've now got a really, really high quality team with probably just a couple of new additions that could come in. I still think we haven't got any squad depth, and I think you could see that um, with Holding and El Nenny and people like that. Uh, but you know, the future is bright, and I think we, we've we've got to stay focused on that. I just wish we'd managed to hang on just a couple of minutes longer and get that point because a point, even a point, would have felt disappointing to be honest. But at least we'd have had something to show for all those efforts and you just feel for it feel for the players because they didn't deserve that yeah yeah um so <clears throat> my initial takeaways are it, it it would be it would be almost strange for me to not focus on what was the main talking point out of the game and that was you know the VAR we will dig further into that VAR decisions um absolute sickener and one of the reasons why I think it's such a sickener is because it puts a little bit of a dampener on an otherwise superb hear me when I'm saying superb performance I thought that was the best performance of Arteta's tenure obviously opposition you know qualified accounted for um that was a legit city team who've been bullying people beating them up coming into their ground and taking the lunch money and we said not today not today. Obviously, they've ended up getting lunch money because they know the principle, you know, and we'll get sent to detention. They'll they'll work the work the angles. They'll work the infrastructure, the rules to their system, and they got away with one today. And they, the biggest compliment I can give to the Arsenal players is that when Kevin De Bruyne is sitting down in that away Arsenal dressing room, he will sit down and think, "We have been through one hell of a game today, and we were very lucky to get away with anything out of that game." I'm not even. To- I'm talking get away with a point. They should have lost. They should have lost. And, you know, whether it be the Martinelli miss, the VAR uh, decisions that went against us, and the fortune that came from, you know, an admirable performer like Ben White, you know, just getting a bit unlucky with that last clearance and then falling to Rodri on the on the on the run and uh, you know he can bundle it in and get that result and it's and it's so fortunate for him but you know I don't think as as horrible as that might feel for all of us right now and we are smarting over it 
I don't think that it can detract from what was an outstanding performance and certainly something that should give all Arsenal fans real, real encouragement that we are on the right pa- on the right path here. Um, so we are going to move from hottest of takes. I don't know where else we could go in this game um, than the absolute vast that that was. Um, yes, I am doing a bit of wordplay there. Yes, yeah, I like you know, it. Yeah, we bounce off of the word fast, but yes, the absolute vast show. Um, I mean, initially to feed you into this, Matt, we're talking about two incidents. Obviously, we're talking about in the first half a penalty incident or a non-penalty incident, according to VAR, when Erdegaard, after a lovely free-flowing move, um, which you know shouldn't really be lost in all of this as well, we've opened them up. Erdegaard bursts into the box, one-on-one with um, Edison. He comes out, looks to me like he's taken a touch on the ball away from the keeper, and then there is contact. Whether or not the keeper ended up with, um, you know, contact on the ball, I'll let you I'll let you decide on that. And ultimately, VAR chose not to get involved, involved with that decision and left it at the behest of the referee who didn't give it. Later on in the game, we see a VAR decision where... Um, obviously, it, it, it's gone against us. A penalty was essentially given because what we know by proxy now is when the referee gets called over to have a look, they're basically saying you made the wrong call. Um, it was an incident with that man again, Granite Xhaka and um, Bernardo Silva. And as I say, ultimately, the referee uh, reversed his decision and, and awarded them a penalty not long um, after we um, were down to 10 men, obviously included in that penalty incident, one of the players who, well, the player who got sent off, picked himself a yellow card up. Talk to me yeah. about the VAR VAR well, and where, let, how let, you do that. Uh, yeah, let's take them one by one and then and then figure out where we stand on them. Um, let's start with the first one. And um, first impression, immediate first impression was penalty. That was immediately what I thought just because of the impact where the ball went, the movement that had come towards it. I was like, that's that's a penalty. Uh, looked at the replay over and over again. And I genuinely, trying to be as impartial as possible, I genuinely think it's 50-50. I think you see them given, you see them not given. I think he, he, got, he, got, he, he got a little bit of the ball, but he got a little bit of the man. I thought he got a bit of the man first. Really, really unclear. I would say they're the kind of pens that you get when you're at home. And then the kind you don't get when you're away. I think it was really, really as as close as that. And I don't think anyone would have complained um, if we'd got it. I don't think we'd all still be talking about it. It was just, yeah, it's one of those one of those pens. He's obviously going away from goal a little bit, which doesn't help rather than going towards goal. But it felt like there was some some contact there, and it felt like it was unfair contact. So could have could have could have gone either way. Um, we were definitely talking about it afterwards. I think the main problem with what happened on that pen is what happened on the second one, because then it's really easy to make the two comparisons. But what, what did you think on that first one? So <clears throat> let's be clear about things. When it, when it first happened, I thought pen. When yeah. I watched it back, I thought pen. When I've seen it again, I thought pen. It is a pen. I don't understand. I mean, I think you're being a little um, kind to you know, those who might have a city hat on today, and the referees who I think got this one wrong. Uh, you know, uh, uh, fair play. Obviously, your opinion. Lots of people have echoed that. They thought it might have been soft. I don't think it is. The fact is, is the moment Erdegaard gets to that ball, and he and obviously 
what I think people are having trouble with with this incident is they think that we're so used to when a player and a keeper come together, the player gets a foot on the ball and knocks it ahead. So the ball kind of carries on running. And there you can see that there's not a detour on the ball and it's clearer that the keeper has not got a touch. What Odegaard does, obviously he's running out of play. If he just got a touch, it would just go out of play. So when Odegaard gets a touch, he is shielding the ball. He takes a touch, but he is then about to shepherd it to his right to take it away from the onrushing keeper. So the ball was always going to go that way. But once you get your foot there in front of between the keeper and the ball and you're taking it away, you cannot make contact with the player. If you do and smash through the player's foot and then get the ball and it's moving in that direction, that does not make a difference. You've committed a foul. It's a stone wall penalty. I fought it at the time. I still think it now. I, you know, but the fact is, is the reason why I can forgive it is because in the heat of the moment, when, you know, VAR is meant to check this, but they get maybe five or six quick looks at it and they have to make a call as to whether the ref should check it. So if they want to sit there and go, we'll do a bit of a light touch. Is it, is it egregious enough for us to reverse it? We don't think it is. Okay, well, I think that's wrong, but, you know, that's the stall you want to set it out at. When you have another incident later in the game and you completely reverse your outlook on VAR officiating, then I've got a big problem with it. It's cheating. It's, we have been done over because there is no way you can look at the incident with Bernardo and uh, and Xhaka and think that is an egregious error on the part of the referee. But the one where Edison comes sliding out, clearly makes contact with a man first, clearly a penalty in my mind. And we don't want to get involved with that, but we do want to get involved with the other one. They are being very loose with their application of their own rules and their application of their own, um, you, you know, ability to intervene. And um, kind of um, keenness to intervene. And at this stage, I don't think you can look at this game, even as a an impartial observer, and think that we have not been really, really seriously done out of, I think, three points, but at a minimum, a point. It, it, it's disgraceful. It is disgraceful. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I think at home you get it. Um, uh, I thought we should have had it. I saw Henry Winter tweeting that he thinks they were both pens and they should have either both been given or neither yep. been given. And I think that seems to be a common consensus, both or neither. Uh, and I think that suggests that uh it's not Stonewall, but uh well now that now we're getting a few comments saying that people are looking at it in slow-mo and they think it was was a definite foul. <laughs> We've missed four of our last five penalties, but hopefully this one would have been different. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, look, it's, 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 well, let's get on to the second one because the second one is really, uh, where the game just got turned upside down. Yeah. I mean, so, and you know, I think it's right that we, in terms of our own format and the pod that we do this and we bounce around it because these incidents, incidences, I should say, are not, they can't just be taken in isolation because one does impact on the other. You know, it's the same thing with, you know, in terms of how you're applying the rules and how you're refereeing the game. If someone comes in on a two-footed challenge, but like, you know, it doesn't make contact with a player and the referee goes waves on and goes, 
that's it. Well, at least even as fans, you go, that's a bit harsh. You go, if that's how they're going to referee it, fair play. But if two minutes later they send the opposing team off, we've got a big problem here. It's not being doled out. Consistently, in terms, yeah. There's no consistency. So look, I think, t- um, but the second, and, and let's talk about this second one because there was one big difference and it's really, really painful because the second one, it wasn't a pen. It, it wasn't going to be a pen because it's Jack has got the situation under control and then Bernardo Silva is diving. He's diving, trying to trying to get a pen. And as soon as I saw it, my first reaction on that one was not a pen, nothing to worry about. And then you see the VAR and you see the shirt tug. And as soon as you see the shirt tug, you go, that's a pen. It's only a pen on VAR. And that's the whole problem with that one. So that one actually is, you, you don't get that without VAR. But as soon as you see the shirt tug, it's, it's, it's an easy one to give. And, and that's the whole problem with it. And I'm not, I'm not going to spend too much time complaining about Xhaka, but you, you can't tug shirts in boxes. You just can't. Um, and it's frustrating. And, you know, my first reaction was he's going to get sent off now because he's going to do something stupid afterwards. And he looked like he'd lost his head in the aftermath of that decision. And fortunately he hadn't. And before that he'd had a good game. And after that he'd had a good go. But you, you can't, not not against top teams. You can't give those shirt tugs away. And Silva got the pen because of the way he pursued the ref to check VAR, knowing that as soon as he went and checked it, you'd see the shirt tug. That would be that. That's a pen. So... It's 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 really really frustrating because I think your f- the first emotion as a fan is is normally right. The fact that the first one it's like that's a pen. Often they're not, but that's the way it felt. Second, I wasn't even worried when the ball came out back down the near side. I was like, no, that was a clear dive. The referee, he, the referee gestured to get up. He actually gestured to him to get up, going, "You dive." It's only because he got forced to look at the VAR that he did it. So. It's 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 really hard to take, but one of the reasons it's really hard to take is because it's self-inflicted with that tug. It is it it like, and I think that's the Henry Winter point, which is you either give both or you give neither. But it, it's it's it, it's hard. It's it, it's both it's both it's both very very harsh and very very stupid. So, <clears throat> you, but I you mean, think? I mean, what what we're talking about here is. Ultimately, the the term Jacagon Jack, it, 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 this is what he does. It's it's a guy who this is this is inbuilt into him. And we have said it on this podcast countless times. Every six games, he's gonna give away a penalty, he's gonna get sent off, he's going to affect the game in a negative way. And you either make your deal with the devil, you make your peace with that and say, This is what he's gonna do. We're happy with it at this stage of the club's development. He offers us this in terms of other aspects of his game. I thought, the problem is, right, I sent a tweet out 10 minutes into the game and I said, looking at Granite Xhaka, it looks like he's about to put in one of those Xhaka-style displays. And I actually thought that outside of that, he had some positive impact on the game, but it's overshadowed by what he does and... I don't think that the penalty that they got given was a a penalty where you go, it's a stonewall pen. I thought it was subjective, but I think that the moment someone in VAR, in in the VAR cloud says, 
have a look at it to the ref. I thought it was a very good point illustrated by you there about the fact that the ref initially had waved it off and said, no, it's a dive, because it was a dive. The it guy was. was on his way down. But when you start pulling shirts, you it there is a, the, the, there is almost like the worst thing you can do in the box is pull a shirt, because there is a visuality to it. You, everyone can see it. It's not like you're, you know, assaulting someone. But when you've got hold of someone's shirt and you're making like a flag in the box for people to be able to, you're definitely going to pick up on that on second review. The referee might not see initially. Why does he need to do that? It's so weird. And it's the fragile mentality that is imbued in Granite Xhaka's game. It has been from the moment he turned up. And I don't even like getting worked up with him anymore because he has shown me who he is. And at the end of the day, this this is what he's going to continue to do. What frustrates me about him, and I want to be clear, by the way, overall, regardless of Xhaka's brain fart moment, we've still been done over. I want to really hammer that home because there's no way that the Bernardo Silva penalty was more of a penalty than the one on Erdegaard. It's simply not. I don't know how you can see that. There is a clear clear evidentiary you know uh, 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 demonstration with the with the replays that Edison touched Erdogan's foot first that is a foul that's how it is but obviously when you start pulling shirts even if he was diving at the end of the day they can say you've pulled the shirt it's clear that's a foul as well but they have to be officiated in the same way you can't suddenly start waking up in the VAR booth, just been dozing through the second half, and then second half, all oh, right, I'm going to start telling the referee to come over. They need to, not only do we expect consistency from the referees, we expect it from the people in the VAR booth as well. And and this is unforgivable. It really is. But in, built into this penalty was also something that not only Granite Xhaka is probably the greatest proponent of it, it's irresponsibility from players, from Arsenal players, because we've also, and I think we're going to move on to this as a subject now, um, irresponsible players, because I think they naturally flow on. Not only is it Granite Xhaka's pulling of a shirt yet again, but it's Gabriel. We might laugh initially and go, oh, he's just being a bit, you know, he's playing games. But getting a yellow card for scuffing up the penalty spot, like you're playing over Hackney Marshes or something, mate. What are you doing Talk to me about the irresponsible players that you've seen today and how that ultimately cost us in this big game. Yeah, I mean, we lost our heads after the after the, after the penalty. And I think that's one of the big differences between a, an, an inexperienced team and a young team and a more experienced team. Because I think if you're more experienced, if all of these players have got a couple of years more in them, they go, let's regather. They'll score the pen, but we're by far the better team. We've had chances and we'll still beat them. That's and I think you could look at the game, and you can look at how the game turned out afterwards. I mean, City didn't offer much. I think they were dead on their feet after playing an extra game a couple of days before, and I think we 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 were better than them today. Um, but what you got to do is keep your heads. No one kept their heads. Um, and then let's just talk about the Gabriel incident. I think City and I think Mikel has done something, uh, which is try and. <laughs> educate the players on a bit more about the dark arts of sport and dark arts of football. And we've been hopelessly naive in the past. And I think we're getting less naive, but it's only dark arts. If you don't get caught doing it, it's not dark arts. If you get caught doing it and you're stupid. So 
to make it that obvious and you know like like even at the end city were kicking the ball away doing this doing that getting their body in there slowing things down when they needed to but scuffing the penalty spot is just an easy easy booking to collect like you're never not going to get booked for it. it's just stupid i think ramsdale was doing it as well um <laughs> uh, and it was just let's face it it's not going to make any difference it's going to make no difference every penalty taker spends about a minute sorting the way do I want their the ball to sit it, it, it it's just completely brainless um and he's been better than that so 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 we so you let him off the first one but you know it's a, it's a yellow or the ref you know just just goes what are you doing sort yourselves out but it depends if it depends whether he's seen it or whether he's heard someone complaining about it or what and then the second one look it's a yellow it is a yellow however we have seen a lot of games where a referee has just booked somebody. That exact foul has happened on the halfway line and they let it go because they know that it ruins the whole game as a spectacle. And it's not, it's a yellow, but it, you're so far away from danger that no one's, it. they get, they don't get given as much as they get given. So can we have complaints? <laughs> It feels like we can't because of all the other stuff that went on. But when you look at the two incidents in isolation, it's it's a bit of stupidity, and you can't say either of the yellows was 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 not correct. What you can say is that is that when you talk about dark arts, is that Manchester City are masters of it. And how many how many how many times did their players get off doing something like that? And it felt like we got punished the first time we do it, and they were able to get away with it time and time and time again. And so you really get back to this whole consistency piece, and and that's the bit that that hurts. But that 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 two or three minute spell after the game was was it was it was stupid, and we lost our heads. The only thing you can say that was positive is we managed to get them back together, because you've seen it where we do that, and then every all, all hell breaks loose we managed to get our emotions back in control and that's a, a sign that we're, 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 we're becoming a more controlled team, but you know, we lost the game because of that, because I think if we keep with, I mean, look, look at the mistake, the mistake wasn't a, a, an obvious mistake, but it's Rob holding in the back. And I don't think, I think Gabriel deals with the situation differently. And I think that, I think that's, that's, that's the difference, you know, him not being on there cost us, cost us points. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think, the point you made there, I thought it was really astute, and that's how I feel about it. You know, I, I do like the shithousery, if you like, the fact that we have got a bit of needle about us these days. So many times in the past, we'd watch these meek Arsenal teams, watching the opposing team getting in and around the ref, you know, badgering them, and surprise, surprise, later in the game, a penalty gets given for them or something. Like, to, to try to ignore the fact that, you know, being a bit sneaky with your game doesn't have an impact on, the, you know, your overall performances would be naive. It does. We've seen Chelsea doing it for years, United doing it for years, even Arsenal teams when we were successful. I think Vieira and that weren't mobbing referees, just like ready to jump people. Martin Keown all over Van Nistelrooy. Let's go put it in people's faces. You know, this is what, and, and the reason why is obviously if you scuffer penalty spot up you're just trying it won't make a with the amount of technique that someone like a Riyad Mahrez has it's not going to make a tremendous amount of difference it rarely would have an impact and if you actually look at the penalty he took 
it wasn't even sitting on the spot. It was in front of the spot. The referee, surprise, surprise, didn't want to get involved in it. But the fact is, is if you want to start employing these dark arts, you have to quickly learn how to get away with it. Otherwise, all you're doing is just hamstringing your team. That was just naive play. And, you know, we might look back at the end of the season and say, you know what? In terms of a learning curve, that was the perfect game for him to get his act together like Gabriel and learn that, yes, we want a bit of needle, but life, not just football, is a balancing act. It's all about cutting the right line. And, yeah, we do want you to, you know, get into the head of other players and make it daunting for them. But you cannot do so at the behest of our chances of winning. You can't do that. And it was naive. The play, the, the yellow card on Gabriel, uh, on, on Jesus, I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't think we can really have any complaints. It was a stonewall yellow at any time in the game. The only thing that I would say is that sometimes when the ref has made an egregious error or clearly done something to affect the course of the game, you know, uh, and shown bias, they will sometimes correct it and go, you know what? I've given away a penalty when, you know, at the, at the very least, the fans are letting me know that, we, you know, they've been hard done by at this stage. And I might apply a very, very light touch to this one and say, listen, you are basically one tackle away from getting sent off. And then you go over to old Albert, who I'm sure we'll get over, get onto at some point in the pod and say, I'm about to send this guy off, take him off, you know, because I'm that's it. And, and you do so as a way of somewhat leveling it up. And let's not pretend that referees don't do that. They do do that. But what's ended up happening is I don't, I'm not going to complain about the red card. I think that ultimately, you know, we got what we deserve through naive play, but it was in direct correlation to a, a situation where we were incredibly hard done by. So, you know, all I'd be asking for is a little bit of, you know, leniency based on the fact that we were over persecuted in the game earlier on uh, well, I think you... yeah and I think you often sit you like those the two yellows closely together the ones they do happen but normally they follow like a certain template which is uh there's a yellow for some like piece of like uh like a couple of players coming together one of the players is boiling over has still not got his head back together and then goes in for a stupid tackle and gets sent off one minute later this was sort of different in that Gabriel was 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 guilty of like gross stupidity, but had never, 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 never lost his head. You know, he didn't look like a player who was in danger of make of of going in two footed on someone or someone who, who the red mist had come up. He just looked like it was it was it was two individual mistakes very very closely together. I do think that this whole idea of recognizing like what's going on in the game is sort of hard because I think. And this is the one thing that sort of sticks in my throat a little bit is over the years, and 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 it there's there's so many parallels between I think what we saw today and what we saw with like Project Youth the first time round, which is where we would deserve more and then not get it against more experienced teams, and you know you sort of just have to get it out of the system and it's really really annoying. But one of the things that sort of wound me up a bit over over when we did it with Project Youth 1.0 and 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 now is. Um, there's a sense of perceived unfairness. And I think that having a sense of perceived unfairness in football is a waste of time uh, because life's not fair. Football's not fair. And so you basically just got to suck it up and then go and win the game. And 
you know, over over the course of the season, you like to think that it, that it will all it will all um, it will all it will all come together. But you can't let a sense of unfairness make you do stupid things and then get people to feel sorry for you. You've just got to go and win unfairly. There's nothing better than winning one nil when you don't deserve it. So, yeah, I don't think we can argue with with those with those two yellows, unfortunately. And then sandwiched all around that was that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that Martinelli miss. Uh, I mean, what did he that make was, of that? The, the, the one thing, I mean, we will certainly get onto that Martinelli miss. Oh, it was grim. It was really grim viewing. But the one thing I would say on the final bit of irresponsible players, I'm going to bring it back to Xhaka. When, and I know people will see, sit on different sides of the Xhaka fence, but when we have said consistently, this is what you get with Granite Xhaka, you get some bits of good, but you will get, brain farts every six games that will ultimately cost you in games, especially big ga- big games. In games like this, mistakes lead to negative results. There, there is nowhere to hide. If you get sent off, people like Kevin De Bruyne and people like that go, let's go. Let's just go and win this then because that's what we do. So when I see Lekonga knocking about, he's on the bench today. Why is he not playing? Because for me, and this isn't just revisionism, in general... It, it's you know it's going to be taken out of our hands because party's about to go to African nations. But when we talk about you, you know in, in terms of that partnership, why is doesn't Lekonga play? Because even if you're a Granite Xhaka fanboy and you very much appreciate what he offers you, Lekonga's not that far off of what Xhaka does. Even even if you're high on Xhaka, I personally ain't even that high on him. I think he's decent, but I don't think he offers a huge amount that Lekonga doesn't. Lekonga doesn't at this at this stage anyway do the brain fart moments that we know we we've got no evidence that every six games Lekonga's going to get sent off. So why doesn't he play in a game like this? And well, I mean, and why did why don't we just take that Xhaka nuclear element out of play, especially when the players are there to fill in? I think a few things. I think one is we're desperate for some experience, um, and we don't have any really in the team. Uh, we've basically got Xhaka and Lacazette. The rest are all 24 and under, basically. So I think there's there's that piece of it. I think the other thing about Xhaka is versus like a Lokonga, and I'm a, I'm a Lokonga fan, but Xhaka is such a weird beast because he doesn't really, he, like if you think about like sort of micro mistakes or small mistakes in games, he doesn't really make any. So small mistakes, he just drops clangers every like six game whereas someone like Lekonga against City he could like be caught out of position a couple of times that could create an opening for someone like De Bruyne and it's less noticeable but I think Xhaka does offer a little bit more control at this stage in his career and I think that's the reason why and I think the other reason is because we've, we've we've hit form in the last five games and that's with uh that's with Xhaka in the team it's with Odegaard in the team it's with Lekonga and Smith Rowe out and so you have to sort of respect that and go Let's keep going. I think the performance was the right performance. And I think as much as the Zaka thing frustrates, it frustrates me not because of what we saw in the pitch today, because these things happen. You give away pens. You can't kill a player for giving away soft pens and even tugging shirts when it's a one-off. The reason it's so frustrating is because it just feels like it happens a lot. The other reality is I think... um, it probably doesn't happen as much as we think it does. And I think that's one of the things. It's like when we think, how many times has Xhaka been sent off? I think he's only been sent off like once or, or twice twice for Arsenal. It's not as many times as you think. Although like in my head, I can re- seem to remember like eight or 10 times. 
he always seems to be doing crazy stuff. But I think we're, we're sort of like blinded a little bit through social media and all of these things to think he makes more mistakes than he does. Um, but but yeah, it was <laughs> it's frustrating that one of the players who's bought that's the other thing. We, one of the players that we've kept in the team for his experience is showing naivety by by tugging in the box and and all that stuff. But I yeah, mean, I'll, was... I'll just interject a little bit there, Matt, because we can't characterise it differently. Xhaka has had the most red cards for Arsenal since he signed, so he's not some <laughs> like random guy. Let's, let's let's proofread that a little bit. But um, you know, I, I agree and. I, I do think that your other points about him, like, you know, not make it, he does offer control. I do get that. But I just mean, right, when you look at this game, and we will go into what it means for Arsenal more as we progress on the pods, but this was really a yardstick game. So we could see how far we needed to get to, to, to get to where we ultimately want to go, which is the top of the league where City are. And I think that we're all very infused by what we've seen, because guess what? We were better than them today, you know, so we're, we're pleased with that. But when you get to playing at that level, you can't have a Trojan horse like this. And so for me, it doesn't matter whether we lose to City today in terms of can we achieve our goals this season and lose to City twice? Yeah, we can. But Lukonga getting experience now means that next year when we are trying to push on, Lukonga's playing in these games because I don't want to see Xhaka doing it anymore in crunch games letting us down. So... Maybe get Lekonga's mistakes of of youth out the way now, and then hopefully he will get to the stage. You know those inconsistencies aren't inbuilt into his game in the same way as Jacker are is in terms of you know brain fart moments. And hopefully with more experience he can be better in the long haul. And I just want to because you talked about what players you know of leadership of character we had in the team and and who were those kind of guardians of the team. And I want to move on to a player who put in one hell of a show. Okay, oh. New New Year's party, the best player on the pitch, Thomas Party today. Absolutely outstanding. We've we've expressed fear, I, I would say, in recent weeks as to whether Thomas Party was actually all that we'd hoped he would be. Well, today he put in one hell of a performance. What what did you think of him? Absolutely outstanding. And um, and I just like the role he was playing. Uh, you know, sometimes it feels like he's trying to do everything. Whereas today against a quality team, it felt a much more disciplined performance. Uh, so much control, great footwork, making space, great in transition, great defensively, always in the right place, calm. Uh, I can't believe he's leaving. <laughs> That was a farewell gift. We basically finally got him into form this season. Uh, and he seems like a player who needs time to get into form. Um, I think people have, t- have talked a little bit about that. But he's just, um, he he was phenomenal. And, and it's so frustrating because he's, we've now got our toughest games of the season all in the next three weeks. Um, but, you know, thank God that we see the return to form. I think it's going to be good for him to to, to have that. I think I'm sure he'll he'll play well in the African nation. Just hope he doesn't get uh, anything happen to him, injured or or sick. Um, but you know, hugely, hugely positive. And to be honest, you know, we can talk about him, and we should because I think he was he was one of our top two or three players. But the whole team actually were with with with, with and even Gabriel and Xhaka, when you when you take away those those single moments of of madness everyone was was outstanding today 
Yeah, I, I you know, I agreed. I even, even on those points, and you know, I, I've expressed my issues with Xhaka and his involvement, but I do think that he put in a pretty good performance by the end of the game. Like, he, you know, what, what, what's so frustrating about Xhaka on that front, and this is the final point I'm making him, is when we went down to 10 men, you know, Xhaka had already made his mistake, but I thought Xhaka was excellent. Yeah. Once we once we went down to ten men, and he does this sometimes. You're like, that's great, you know. But um, I I don't think there is any party was out one or two of our best. But no, no, party was the best player on the pitch, not for Arsenal. Best player on the pitch. He was absolutely a different gravy today, and I think this is when we start to allow ourselves to get a little bit excited as Arsenal fans because you're starting to see a few people step up. To the mantle of, you know what? You, you can't get better opposition than Man City. They're the, probably the best team in the world. They're certainly, you know, in the top two or three teams in the world. There's no question about that. And when they came to the Emirates today, they came to party. And guess what? We had something for them. A party who was basically looking at Kevin De Bruyne, sitting on Rodri. I loved what he was doing. He was sitting on Rodri, who is such an in- instrumental player for them. And he was manhandling him. He was too quick for him. He's... Ability to take the ball in tight spaces today was there for all to say to see. But one of the things we've seen in recent weeks with Thomas Party, I think, is two things that have let him down. One, he tries to overplay sometimes. He tries to do too much when it's just not always necessary. And as Arsenal fans, we'd longed for that Vieira type, dare I say Gilberto Silva type, of someone who's just going to protect that back line. And Party is trying to do he, he can do more than that. And he tries to do more than that. Rampaging runs some, you know, invasive passes that don't always meet their, you know, meet their intended target. And then we're getting broken and suddenly he looks like the cause of some vulnerability in our team. But today he was crunching into tackles, winning the ball, didn't really give the ball away unless it was something where he was trying to find a pass that, you know, really made sense. And we're all up for that. But in and around those players who are so good at pressing, Party looked very good, comfortable on the ball. He was playing in and around tight spaces. But what he didn't do was slow our play down today. He played quick ball all the time, getting it out to our uh, our wing players who were absolutely terrorising the fullbacks of City. I thought it was so, so refreshing to see. But I thought, you know, I could not agree more with what you're saying that it was a combined team performance today. And that's why we're so impressed. But if anyone signified the level of the performance of Arsenal today, it was Thomas Party with, with no with no equals. I thought he was absolutely outstanding today. And it just has to, it just has to excite us and fill us with confidence. Yeah, I thought the one the one other player who who rivaled him, especially first off, was Martinelli. because uh, he was absolutely electric. In that first half, my God, uh, I, I haven't seen a player. Cancelo is his name. The, the 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 the. I mean, he's widely regarded as the best fullback in the league at the moment, and he, he Martinelli had him on toast. He absolutely roasted him. I know he had a couple of incidents. His family got attacked. He played a lot more games. Played played a couple of couple of days ago, but Martinelli was electric, and it was just so. So disappointing that he wasn't able to get a goal um, and should have got a goal because he looked like he looked like a Manchester City striker. Uh, he was he was absolutely electric. He looked like a modern striker, and you think about him developing. We just got to keep keep his confidence up, keep him. 
but he's he's sort of nailed down that position now on the on the left hand side because he just he's so dynamic. And that's a lot for you to say as well, because we know about your love affair with Emil Smith Rowe and your photo and by your bedside. Uh, you give a little little kiss to the Croydon De Bruyne every night before you go to bed. So that would that would mean a lot. I've put Martinelli misses the banner for those watching along right now. I don't want to overly, you know, put a negative spin on Martinelli's performance because as Matt said, I, d- I don't think he was at the level of Thomas Party personally, and and for no greater reason than let's let's dig a little bit into this specific point because it was a key point in the in the match that miss Matt. I mean, that is, you got you got to score that. You, you got to score that. I mean, I've heard people saying he had to run around the referee, and I haven't seen the replay of that. I don't think it's. I, don't, I didn't see much complaining uh, when he missed it. He, he just missed it. He just. It was also in that crazy phase of the game where emotions were so high. And I think if if maybe the emotions are a little bit calmer, you just slot that. It doesn't need to be. You don't need to lash that one. You just place it in, you, you know. Um, but... I, mean, I, mean, I mean, let's put it this way. And I, I think that Martinelli was excellent today. And I would actually say that, um, you know, for the way that you characterise Martinelli in terms of arrival to party's performance in the first half, I thought that was Saka myself like I think Saka is now coming into a period where he is overtly our best player and I'm not talking about like party having a good game today I'm talking about Saka is very very close to nudging on world class now he makes differences in the biggest of moments for me he's you look at Raheem Sterling on the other team today and you look at Saka Saka's better than Sterling. Yeah. I'm not joking with you. He, this is what the guy is about now. In big moments, that finish, when you look at the the, the, the finish of Saka, balls rolls across, very nice from Tierney, rolled across edge of the area. What I'm a not, finish. I'm not thinking about it. I'm, it's just whack, mate. That's Edison. Don't bother diving. It's in there, and I'm skidding. And I love it. And, I, and, and, and when you look at the way that Martinelli, and I'm just not, I'm not, I don't want to bang on Martinelli, because Martinelli was excellent and is a massive, massive positive about Arsenal right now. But honestly, if Saka was the one running onto yeah, that, that's a it's a goal. It's a goal, yeah. man. And the only reason why I say it is because, if anything, we as Arsenal fans maybe need to check our enthusiasm a little bit with Martinelli because as good as he is, there is still a bit of rawness, which oh, yeah. I am confident will be smoothed out the more he plays. But again... He's got to score that. That's a big moment in a big game. And I think he can become a big, big player. But those those areas in the game, like you, you might get one chance, but you have to finish it. And when you have we to think finish. about and, and, and when you concede that to other teams, they don't miss that. No. When we concede that to a Chelsea, a City, a Liverpool, that's that's guaranteed goal. That's 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 a big chance. That's XG, that's everything, you know? So um yeah, that was a that was a hard one to take, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a sick enough, but I do think that overall he um he showed just how electric he is in this team, just how important he is, and you know, uh, as I say, I'm I'm not trying to uh, mock mock it or not. You, as someone who genuinely loves Smith Rowe as much as you do, for you to be outwardly saying, you know, there is there is no place for him right now in the current setup based on the players that are in front of him and the form. Of course, that can change, but, you know, I, right I now... It, I, I think it will change. And I think the, the one thing I thought was a little... I thought uh, Smith Rowe was a little bit disappointing when he came on. I know he came into a, a not not an ideal position. 
um, sort of playing a sort of a false nine and replacing Lacazette and the team are on the back foot. But the problem with when you just when someone isn't getting regular 90s is that they come on and they look off the pace. And I thought for the first time Smith Rowe came on and, and couldn't get into the game. And maybe you can get into the game against a Norwich or a Leeds or whatever, because it's just the quality's lower and you know, but you know, that's the that's the one thing that we've got to do is make sure that we keep all our players who aren't necessarily starting games like primed, ready to come in and, and have big games. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Smith Rowe starting in the next game. Although I thought Odegaard was brilliant as well today. Um but yeah, we'll 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 see, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now we did all of this. Uh, this wonderful performance um, with, well, we were we were missing none other than Mikel the Great. Uh, Arteta, obviously, um, with his COVID exposure, was not actually at the game. And we turned to a, 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 a fine young deputy in the form of Albert. He stepped up, loved that name. And uh, he was leading the line on the Great, on, on the touchline, I should say. And, um, yeah, how do you think that we coped with the fact that we were missing our manager. We just heard in the game that Klopp will be missing for Liverpool because of a COVID exposure. And I thought that personally, you know, if there was any doubts as to whether we could perform to our level when the manager wasn't around, well, that quickly got dispelled. What what did you make of our uh, yeah, ability was, to play without our coach on the sidelines? I mean, I was worried about Arteta not being there. Um, and, and in the event, it made no difference whatsoever. Uh, and I think we had a clear game plan. We knew exactly what we were doing from minute one. Uh, I liked the coach. I thought he was good. Uh, he wasn't uh, afraid to be the main man today, which I think was was important. You know, he was out there. He was giving instructions. He looked like a manager rather than looking like, you know, the guy who lays out the cones, stepping up for the day or shrinking on the bench. So... Good for him. He enjoyed it. I'm sure he'll have learnt from it. I'm sure it's going to build uh, better relationships for the whole team to see that there's a strong leadership team in place rather than just one guy. <laughs> um, so good for him. And and I thought and I thought you know we 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 got everything right. Um, the subs were right because we nearly the performance after we went down to ten was was spot on. We were disciplined. We were organised. They didn't have many chances, and that's what makes it even more painful that uh, that, that we conceded right right at the death. Um, and I, I've only I've only I only saw it live, and then we jumped onto this podcast. But it wasn't wasn't anything too too wrong with the way we defended that situation. It was sort of a little bit unfortunate, a little bit lack of decisiveness. But I think that's a little bit of what we thought last season, which is where you're like, oh, Leno's not that bad. Bellerin's okay. You know, you realise that when you don't have top players in positions, you know, you, you are less decisive and that leads to goals. Because I thought, I mean, I thought Tommy Yasu was absolutely outstanding today. I thought Ben White was absolutely brilliant today. And then you see Rob Holding coming. Again, this is not a, this is a, this is not actually a ding on Rob Holding. I think it's just, he is what he is. And I think he's a decent Premier League player. But the game you don't want him being dropped into is City down to ten, when you're down to ten men, because I think he can handle, you know, a team that's sixth or seventh in the Premier League. But I think it was it was it was just it's it's, it's asking too much for him to, to drop him in on that, and it was his weak header 
that that that, that put us in trouble and, and when we conceded. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm pretty much in agreement with you in terms of the fact that I was a little bit worried as to how we would cope with Arteta not being there, just because, you know, as someone who's not always been his biggest fan, the one thing you could always say about Arteta, he's very animated on the touchline, and, and if we are trying to counteract some kind of abilities to switch off in a number of our players' heads, he, I think, you know, can do that. He can shout at Xhaka and say, don't do this and get there and do this. And and you need that kind of rigid, dogged performance to get any kind of result over City. And the fact that we could do it when Arteta wasn't there, I think is the biggest kind of feather in the cap of Arteta's philosophy finally starting to drip through to the players now. Because all of those games in recent times, and I know we've got a banner saying Albert the Great here. It's not really about Albert. It's about the fact that we are playing in a way that Arteta wants us to, even when he's not there. And that really is the litmus test for the fact that, no, these ideas, were, you know, those games previously we'd see, and, we, and we're looking at players who are running around like headless chickens who seemingly don't understand what they're trying to do. Now, everyone knows what they're trying to do. Everyone knows what they're meant to be doing in this system. And I think it was a standout performance in terms of, I, I actually think, you know, if we'd gone on to win, the only reason it is a slight negative, you know, end to the game so we can stop short of it. But I think it was as good a performance as we've ever seen under Arteta. It was really, really sensational. And it was a kind of, the kind of game that will be getting the attention of people around us because we can roll up and play the Arsenal way, Arteta's Arsenal way, even when the coach ain't on the sidelines. And, I don't underestimate just how significant that was in terms of, you know, giving, reinforcing and giving that validation to the players that we are moving in the right directions. And certainly from the manager's point of view, that he is starting to get the results that he wants. You brought up a player that I think we're going to have to, you know, have a, have a good chat about because the nature of his performances, sometimes he can slip under the radar, but, the guy's an absolute different gra- gravy. Thomas Asu, Tommy Asu. He, um, he, I thought today was as good. You know, I, I, I've spoke about how the party I thought was our best player, but Tommy Asu was right there underneath him with every with a, with a number of other standout performances. Um, talk to me about just how, because you know, at this stage, this is his first season, Matt, and he's putting in performances against. Mares not a problem. Sterling not a problem, and it just doesn't fluster him. How good is he at this stage? I mean, I'm, I keep waiting for him to to dip or to or to or to come. And I, I actually think the break, the injury break, would have, has actually been the best possible thing for him because he missed the best possible games and probably had a chance to recharge the batteries a little bit. But he is he's he's got everything. He's tough. He can defend. Uh, his passing is really, really crisp. Uh, the one piece of his game, I think, that it's it's probably not at the level of some of a couple of the of the competition is his attacking play. Um, he's a very good attacking link player, but he's not like a Reese James or a, or a Trent Alexander Arnold. But I don't really care about that because I think. Both of those players can have vulnerabilities defensively because they're so good offensively. Whereas I think Tomiyasu is the best defending right back in the league from, from a pure defensive standpoint. 
And what I love is that with that experience at centre-half is he can also just drop back in. He's good in the air. He can defend corners. He can attack corners. His touch is unreal. His passing is unreal. Uh, he's he's turning into one of my favourite players. And I think, um, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, there's, a, there's a guy, the real North Banksy, who does uh, like Banksy-style portraits of all the Arsenal players. And I think... It's no coincidence that the one he did this week was was Tommy Yassi because he's fast becoming a fan's favourite. I always think there's a special relationship between the fullback because they spend all that time on the sideline hugging it where close to the spectators. And he is he is, I think, at the moment, and there's been a few of them, you'd have to say he's he's up there with with our with our top signing of the summer. I think so as well. And when you talk about um, the North Bank Banksy, I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out to another guy who did a little illustration of the Arsenal Opinion podcast. Um, Shout out to Freddie Packer. Uh, Do check that on Twitter. Now, I wanted to get that clear because I want to go deep on Tommy Asu. The fact is, is what we're seeing now, um, and I I think you, you illustrated it beautifully. I wondered whether you'd go there, but you have. And you went there probably before I was. He's the best defensive right back in the league. And what I... He's beyond my wildest dreams. I've got to be honest. He, We knew that he was he was big. You know, he wasn't a player who was going to come into the league and get bullied. But he's rapid as well. He's up against really fast, really agile players today. And when, when you know someone like this who can play centre-half, the danger is... like It's similarly to Ben White, who can also play right back. You think... Yeah, but when Raheem Sterling's, you know, jinking and driving in close proximity, he might not be able to live with that. Tommy Asu can live with that. He can live with very quick, dynamic players. He's rapid. He, we know he can go up and win headers against against strikers, like big strikers, Ivan Tonys and people like that. It's not a problem for him. He can do it all defensively. And I think that I do completely get where you're coming from in terms of, end product from an attacking point of view. Um, you know, perhaps limited. He's not knocking in free kicks from 30 yards like Trent or, you know, nonsense like Reese James when he was doing damage to us. But on the same note, he is very much part of our attacking yeah. play. He's great on the overlap. He's got pretty decent delivery. I think he's an absolute standout football player. And yeah, you know, when you talk about best signings, I think it is a compliment to... The, the members of the club who were involved in our transfer business this year, that it could even be up for debate because he is absolutely top, top quality. Ravi Solicole, are you watching, you absolute mug? Okay. Oh, he's being shipped around all the clubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, no one wants him. Is he, is he even a right back? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. One of the best. Don't ever forget it. Absolutely amazing. And when you're playing at this level against top, top quality teams, and showing that there's no drop-off, for me, I think we're onto one. And he is exactly, he embodies the the level of player that we want to be getting to now, who are not just going to be able to get us to top four, but could Tommy Asu help you win a league? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. You know, there are other players throughout that team who we're not going to need to replace them to win a league title. And that, and there's more of more, more and more of them emerging, Ramsdale. I think you can win a league with that guy. He's excellent. And, you know, there are only certain players now where you're like, going to need to upgrade there, going to need to upgrade there. But for me, Saka, Martinelli slash Smith Rowe, Erdegaard looks like 
Someone who, who in it, certainly within a few years, because they're not that far off now. Because no. we've gone against the best and we've more than lived with them. It was excellent today. No, I think that I agree with all of that. And we don't concede many goals down our right side. Like most of the goals we concede are actually down our left side, um, where there's just like a little bit less less understanding. But I also think that uh, it's it's a hard position. It's, I think it's the hardest position to play as fullback. You can, you mean, it's really easy to have an absolute mare when you're a fullback. You've got someone running at you. You can look stupid really, really easily. Someone's someone's stuck in. So um, no, he he he's he's absolutely fantastic. And I agree on the. Um, you know, I think we've got the foundational pieces for a successful team now. There's two things missing. We need desperate. We need a striker. We need a central midfielder, and then and then we need depth. Because you know, when Mo Elneny's coming on, no disrespect to Mo Elneny, I mean that's not good enough. And where we're getting to is we've almost got a really really strong one to eleven, but our our depth is is weak. Um, and and we have some some squad issues in terms of we're unbalanced up front, and we've got Obama Yang and Lacazette and all these people on one years. And I think very very quickly we're gonna have we've got to figure out the Saka issue because he's he's only got a couple of years left on his contract, uh, three years. So we need to get that signed up before the summer, I think, and get him on another long term deal. Otherwise, people like Liverpool will come knocking. That's one of the reasons. So. Yeah, lots to be lots to be positive about, though. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're kind of moving into it naturally now, anyway. But overall takeaways from today's game, and 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 I thought, you know, you were right there in terms of when we do get to play against the best, you really do get a kind of a clear audit of you know how far you've got to you've still got to go to be able to get us back to where we want to be, which is challenging for league titles and even then challenging you know it doesn't mean you're definitely going to win it but it's just we'd like to be back in the mixer again and one of the biggest things that we needed to get over as a hurdle was to be challenging these teams not just in terms of league position but when we play them not shrinking not rolling over and it you know any 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 fan watching that today didn't matter outside of whether you're a city fan perhaps We'll have looked at that game and go, Arsenal were robbed today. There's no way we should have won. We should have lost. Even if we, you know, you could argue they were in it. It's not like we demolished them. I thought we were a better team, but maybe they could have salvaged the draw. But there's no way we should have lost it. And it was down to bad officiating. But in terms of, you know, getting your overall takeaways for where we see Arsenal as as Arteta's project, where we are in that process, and are we, because we keep, Going and ended on this. Are we still on course to achieve our targets this year, which has to be getting that top four place? So it's a real it's a real mixed bag because um, obviously I'm feeling really I, I do feel really positive about uh, where we're headed generally and feel like we've got a project and a process uh, that we can all believe in and there's going to be ups and downs and and so there's a lot to be excited about and I think. We will be there or thereabouts, um, but at, at the end of the year, two things are giving me a little pause, a little bit of pause for concern. The first one is, you know, I had a few people from who support other clubs texting me, going, "What happened to Arsenal? You guys looking good?" And then I was like, "Yeah, no, we, we're we're on the up. Trust me, we're, we're we're on the up." And then you had that sort of catastrophic couple of minutes in the second half, and then they're all texting and they're going, "Oh, reverted back to type." Same old Arsenal. And 
that's been a problem at Arsenal for a decade now. It's you can always, as an opposition fan, you can always rely on us to somehow manage to fuck it up. It's it's like being ingrained in 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 in, in our DNA. And Mikel Arteta is trying to change the culture, and I think he is he is getting there. It's a lot harder to change that culture, to change something that, 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 that than, than than when it's not there. So. We've got a real battle to do that. I think we, we, we can get there. The bit I'm scared of is the next four games, because the next four games are, are just, are just, it's just there's so many games, and there's now a few things rolling against us. We've got Liverpool, uh, and and that was the problem with not getting a point today. We're getting any points is because in the past, we, when we lose momentum, we have, we've, 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 we've struggled to get it back. We can, we can, we can feel the pain of the defeat for a, a couple of games before we bounce back. We've now got Liverpool twice. We've got Forest in the, in the FA Cup, which is, which should be fine. And then we've got Spurs away and two of those Liverpool away and Spurs away come within three days of each other. And that was my concern about the squad. Cause I think we've got the one to, I think we've got the one to 11. But I don't think we've got the squad to play two tough away games in three days and and win them both. So I'm I'm concerned about how we come through that. The good news is that Spurs have also got a league cup against Chelsea, I think, when we're playing Liverpool. So that's 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 one bit of good news. But I haven't every time we've had these key key moments in like the Everton United away axis of evil. You know the first two, the Chelsea City early early on, we've fallen at that hurdle. We've never been able to get there, and I can and and, and I could just see this problem looming with that Liverpool away, Spurs away couple. If we can get through that and somehow make it into the League Cup and somehow not lose to Spurs, then I think we're going to have a really 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 good second half of the season. <clears throat> yeah, I mean. So it's important to kind of, and I, I'm not sure I have the absolute guaranteed particulars, but what the interesting dynamic is to clarify on your Liverpool points, the Liverpool games are obviously in the League Cup, not the league. And overall, my my priority is the league. I want to finish in the top four. If I if you offer me getting knocked out to Liverpool in the League Cup and we finish top four, I'll bite your hand off. I don't care. You know what I mean? It, league Cup's not going to define this this um, tenure for Arteta. We've got to progress in that league. If Gabriel, who got two yellow cards today, because I, I, I'm i like you, and I think you're making really strong points there, we don't have the squad depth. Gabriel is our best defender. I think Ben White was excellent today, but Gabriel is the guy. He embodies the aggression that we play with now. And yes, he does stupid things, but he's also the talisman. He's the guy who shows that we're not to be fucked with. And so if he ends up missing against Liverpool, sure, it hurts our chances against Liverpool, but he'd only be suspended for one game, which should mean that he's back for the Spurs game, I believe. Ideal. That's the way I want it to fall. Don't care. At the end of the day, Liverpool, I don't think we'll be playing a full-strength team. Mo Salah and Mane are about to fly to the AFCON anyway. Without them two, we'll give you one hell of a game. I fancy us against Liverpool. Let's be clear about that. And you were also right that Tottenham are going to be given, you know, uh, life and death with Chelsea as well, a team that they really struggle with typically. Um, so I don't think that we're going to be leggy. But what what we overall talked about when we said that we missed out on 
the Europa Conference and whatever, is we've got no excuses for, you know, being tired. We've played the most games in the league already, but we're not, we haven't been playing Tuesday, Wednesday Champions League games or worse, Europa League games out in, you know, the Ukraine and stuff. There's no excuses. You've been sitting indoors, guys. Netflix, come out there, put in big performances. But, you know, when we talk about our lack of squad depth, of course it's true. But that is why it's so important to have, to hammer home. I want to see Arteta going in this week to those big players. Gabriel, sit down, mate. You're performing out, outrageously at an outrageously good level in general last two months. But we can't have that. We can't have what happened today. If you, in your game, you know, you have it where you are going to act aggressively. You are going to play on the front foot. You're going to snap into challenges. We need that in you. But that's why we can't have you stamping on penalty spots. We can't have it. Like, it's just, there's no point in doing it. Or do it in the 85th minute, okay? And then survive for five minutes. That uh, you Just manage the game better. Be smart about it. This is what will help us get to the next level. This is how you do get to the next level. It's a mastery of all elements of the game. And I think that um, I'm optimistic that we can get top four. I think this game against Tottenham will be huge. We can't lose that game. We can't lose that game. But if we don't, no one wants a bit of us anymore. you just seen City. They're literally like, step on it, driver. Let's get out of here. They, they gave us all we could handle today. And everyone knows there's been a robbery. So let's just get up to City where we're safe. I mean... You know, I I think all of the signs are incredibly positive. And, you know, what have I always called for that attacking coherency? We had it today in droves. They were struggling to live with us. And when we start going up against poorer teams like that shit mob from across North London, they're not going to be able to live with it. Just keep giving it to them. And that's why this is so important. And my final point on this, to almost link back to when you talk about Saka's contract being up. We have finally built our castles on solid ground instead of sand. All of our best players are young and love the club. They ain't coming in here going, oh, I've done you a favour signing for 100 million and guess what, Barcelona on the phone. Saka ain't going nowhere. What, 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 is, is Saka's going to go to Liverpool. Are you kidding me? This guy's London, mate. This guy knows his ends. He ain't leaving. He might you know, dance around Emil Smith Rowe, you know, oh yeah, you know, people are called Villa are calling. Give me some money. We get it. We get it. You know, you do the little dance, we'll do the dance. You want to be paid. That's the way it goes. Saka ain't going nowhere. And he's going to be absolutely, I think he already is one of the best players in the league. Him, Martinelli, Erdegaard's continued improvement into a, 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 a class performer. Once we do that, add that striker next year and get that squad depth, who knows where this could go. But right now, you know all things you know you know i mean you know what i would love to see this january would be a a a, a good signing coming because i think if you could you forget about the impact that to the momentum that bringing in a a big transfer person can, can have and i think if if we were able to bring someone in in january that can help us achieve our goals for this season everyone would get a lift so let's let's see what what the club can do on that because We've got to say top four is there for the taking. It's it's it's, it's basically down to us for us and Spurs. I think it sort of seems like it's going to be like that. I think United have got too many problems. I think the rest are, will, will will fall away. I think it's between us and Spurs. Straight shootout. Uh, it's going to be tough, um, but I think we're we've got we've got we're the better team with a with a with a better structure in place. So 
it's going to be a good second half of the season. Ain't it just? And obviously you can watch all of what you've seen on the Amazon documentary, which will be available at the end of the season. What, what, a, oh my what a documentary that's going to be already. Um, right, I've got nothing le- left to do but to thank everyone who's tuned in. Um, obviously the podcast will be available later as well. But um, yeah, you know, from me and Matt and Pete, yes. somewhere wherever he is, ciao for now. Ciao for now. Hi, I'm comedian Johnny Cochran. Now, last year, my life was turned upside down when I became a first-time dad. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Mm, this is a little bit crazy right now. How am I going to get through all of the challenges in front of me? One of the things I thought I'd do was set up a podcast talking to other fathers about their experiences. Fathers like Russell Kane. No no one's man is trying to suggest that what a man does is 1% of the ravages of a female's body being overtaken by its alien host. And Carl Donnelly. This is the admin bit where I'm sort of... You know, obsessing about prams and stuff like that. Oh, you got to get a good set of wheels. I bought a vintage uh, 1960s Marmet pram, which is so inconvenient. And it's never, we're only, it, it can't go any further than like the local park. And Doc Brown. We're here is complaining about money and how expensive it is to have kids and whatnot. They're like, well, you shouldn't have had us. <laughs> it's like, it's your fault. And it's like, I mean, I turn around and it costs me 300 quid. <laughs> Kids are so expensive. So you can listen to those guys and more in the How's Your Father podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.